hateful company of oddity mongers. Hello and welcome to the worshipful company of oddity mongers. Here is Ellen. And here is Roy Sullivan. Okay. I'm gonna leave it Hi, at, Roy. <laughs> let's leave it at that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm intrigued. <laughs> All right. Today we are going to talk about... You don't want to know who Roy Sullivan is? You said leave it at that. Oh. I trust you that you will later reveal it in a <laughs> very dramatic way following like a dramatic arch or something like that. No, I'm not that talented. <laughs> okay, let me, let me say what we talk about first and then you can reveal your secret identity. Okay. okay. Okay, today we are going to talk about economic bubbles. Bubbles. B is for bubbles. Yes, we will, bubble, bubble, <laughs> we will tell you about a couple of the most ridiculous and outrageous um, price spikes in human history. And we will tell you about some examples of that. Cool. Including a social media bubble an uranium bubble, and a gold bubble, a bubble with... Um, That'd be great, a gold bubble. Yeah, a gold bubble. Uh, uh, some, you can put uh, it on your Christmas tree. <laughs> Indonesian, Thailandic uh, amulets. We will also talk, of course, about the uh, big bubble, uh, the tulip craze in uh, the Netherlands, and also some real estate bubbles. Oh, that happens all the time, doesn't it? Yes. Hmm. Okay, then who who are you, Roy? Roy, I am a park ranger in America. Ooh, yeah. with a big truck? Yeah, with a big truck and a hat. And I drive around. And, and a rifle. And a rifle, yep. Been attacked by a bear, well, many bears several times, fought them off. However, that's not why I'm really well known. Okay, for what are you well known for? I've been hit by lightning the most number of times <laughs> by anyone ever. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was first hit, well, first recorded hit was 1942. Mm-hmm. Then again in 1969. Mm-hmm. Then 1970, next year, 1972, 1973, 1977, seven times. So you are, you are, you are cooked. I, I am totally cooked. Uh, got burns all over my body, lost my hair. My hair's been on fire by getting hit by lightning. Oh, my God. Um, people have started staying away from me <laughs> because once my boss said... Um, There's a storm coming. I'm leaving you here. <laughs> and um, I've even been chased by clouds. Oh, my God. Because I've seen a cloud coming, you know, about after five times, get in the truck, drive away. The cloud follows me. Mm -hmm. Get out to hide. Bang, get hit again. And did you learn anything? Did you become a preacher or like a, a cult leader? No. Do you know how I died? No. How would I? How I struck by lightning the eighth time? No. Suicide. Oh. Shotgun. Okay. There yeah. you go. Yep. Nothing else could have killed But it you. was because of love. Okay. Oh, okay. Unrequited love. Oh, my God. So, poor Roy. Poor Roy. Okay. Rest in peace. Okay. Look, I've got a picture of him here. With his, see, he's got the hat. Is burnt. Yeah, on Wikipedia, Roy Sullivan, on the Wikipedia page, you see a very cute old man with a burnt ranger head. Yep. <laughs> hmm. 
Okay, economic bubbles. Yay. So, economic bubbles, what we mean by that is um, this, um, they are created by a wide range of factors and uh, from excessive monetary liquidity to plain old human greed. They are also created by exuberance and stupidity <laughs> and they uh, describe uh, trading products or assets uh, with a value um, that is much higher than their, than their intrinsic um, actual value. Yeah, so, so you can value things two ways, how mm -hmm. much it is actually worth or how much someone will buy it for. Yes, how much will someone buy it for later. Later. There comes also in, in, uh, in play um, a theory that economists, economic, economists. economists call the greater fool theory. Mm, yep. We come to that later. Um, and economic bubbles have been around, around since the birth of currency, <gasps> is what they say. All right. The first Which ties in nicely to our money stuff. So. That's why we are talking about uh, it. I wondered why. Yeah, yeah, like, you just you saying know, we're going to continue. talk about bubbles today. So, okay, uh, okay. so the first, some people say, or the most books say, the first recorded uh, economic bubble in history is the tulip craze in uh, in the Netherlands in 1630s. the 1630s, 1637, six and seven actually. But other books also say that the first. Before, even before that was the bubble with the um, with the coin where they um, what you said last time where they changed the metal contents mm -hmm. of the coins mm -hmm. from before that one one gold let's say gold ducat or gold taler was actually worth it's the same amount as he weighed yeah you know um, but then the kings and emperors as we told you started to uh, um, Discovered it and they diluted um, the metal, mm -hmm. and this is was around uh, 622-ish, mm -hmm. and this is said to have uh, started the first um, inf in infl infl inflation, inflation, and um, bubble. Right. Yes. Mm, okay. So I will tell you um, a little bit about some random bubbles first before I delve deeper in the Netherlands and everything to do with flowers. So I selected <coughs> some examples that sounded the most crazy to me. <laughs> um, the first one I want to tell you about is the it's a social media bubble. And it's not what you think about with the first internet bubble exploding around 2000. Mm -hmm. where also the, It was also the first time I lost my first job. <laughs> I was a web designer back then. Where did you lose it? Did you look behind the couch? Never found it. <laughs> Never again. found it. No, maybe it'll turn. <laughs> totally up disappeared. Yes. So it was even earlier than that. It was in 1995, and there was a thing called the Globe.com. Maybe the uh, older nerds of you will know what I'm talking the about. Globe. The Globe. So um, there were two. <clears throat> Not the Shakespeare Theatre. No. Okay. There was. There were two Cornell students named Stephen Parthenot and Todd Kritzelman, and they had a chat on in the chat room uh, on their on their school computers about. How cool would it be if there would would be something like Facebook? There there was no Facebook then, so they imagined a social 
I don't know, chat room, social meeting place, similar to Facebook, but like 10 years You're before. You're probably not old enough to remember the bulletin board services. This is I before the internet, but computer, you could log into these bulletin board services. Which yeah, is, so I got my first computer in 1987. Mm, okay, that would have been so about this the right... So this is around this time. Yeah, yeah that would yes. have been about the right time. Yeah, so because I... So you'd have these analog dial-up modems that you didn't connect yes. to the BBS. That's how old we are. Anyway, those two guys raised 15,000 euros to buy an Apple internet server in the um, 1994, 1995 ish, and um, built the globe.com and labeled it as the first social media website. Mm -hmm. Did they call it social media? Uh, no, because there was the concept of social media didn't exist back then. And um, they um, went live on April's Fool's Days in 1995. That should have been a hint. <laughs> yes. And they had 44,000 visitors on its first day. Wow. So it was mega successful. Yeah. Yeah. Because probably 44,000 uh, visitors were like 50% of the people that had a computer. Yeah. I would, or maybe even. I wonder how they advertised it. Probably bulletin boards, and then yeah. if there are only so many people, and everyone, and you have only three services, then everyone, yeah, everyone about, has you know. Okay, then the IPO'd in '98, uh, uh, with an opening price at nine nine dollars a share. Midday at the same day, the share was already worth seventy uh, nine euros. And on the end of the day, by closing time, it was like, it, it calmed a little bit down, it was $63.50. So, <clears throat> they were now worth... So, it went, so it went from $9, $9 to $97. Yes, and then uh, on the end and day... it settled down and to at, $63. Yes, $63. So, they were, overnight, they were worth more than $1 million each. $100 million each. Uh, yes, $100 million, okay. Yeah. Sorry. So, <laughs> um, the uh, Stephen, one of the CEOs, became uh, famous because in '99 he had a CNN interview, and he was quoted saying, "Got the girl, got the money. No, I am ready to live a disgusting, frivolous life." <laughs> got the girl, got the money. Yes. First you get the money. No, first yes. you get the girl. Then and he was a money. young CEO when there were no young CEOs back then. This and is he was free.com. Yes, and he was sporting shiny leather pants and dancing on a table. Yeah, see, how do you, what do you feel about leather pants? I mean, I, unless you're on a motorcycle and you're worried about coming off the motorcycle, I, there is no excuse. I know Germans like leather pants. So. I mean, I could only imagine like a 25-year-old 20, with, with the jailed hair and, and like... And mm -hmm. <laughs> No, that's not work for me. Anyhow. So, they were living the good life, but then the dot-com boom unraveled and the globe.com shares uh, also like were like hit in this spiraling down movement. And in the end, they were worth less than 
10 cents per share. 10 cents per share. So then what happened, um, the company was taken over by an early version of Skype uh, from a company called Glowphone. And Paternot and Crystalman were forced out. And then even later what happened is that the uh, Globe.com URL was directed to a travel site because it completely vanished from the mm -hmm. top, from the surface of the earth. So yeah. I did not know about this. So, you know, this is how you go. Completely vanished from history. So, so what they should have got, mm -hmm. done, and this is completely mm -hmm. useless information they should have got mm -hmm. out at the, at the peak. And this is the whole thing about bubbles, I think, is you don't know where the peak is. And when you talk about the, the, the greater fool theory, this is all part of why bubbles happen. You think, oh, if I'd only sold then and got out, you yeah. don't know. And I think when, when you come to this, human psychology and optimism will always bring you a cropper. <laughs> will always screw with you. Don't be optimistic, people. Mm -hmm. Just be pessimistic. So up until 2012, then is this is where this article was published. It was this was the was the best first day IPO in performance ever in the whole world ever in, in all world, history ever of all trading still of all exchange. I don't know. It was 2012 when this was published. Yeah. Okay, because they, um, the 606 percent was the was the you know six hundred and six percent over its yeah. its release price yes. yeah the best IPO ever ever and did you did you did you know about globe.com have you ever I never heard of it there you go so this is how it goes yeah. I hope they got out when they were still rich and did not spend everything on yachts and hookers no I think they they they, they spent it on yachts hookers cocaine and now they're poor and I, I'd like to know what and these guys are the if you're out there guys send us a mail yes send us a mail. Or maybe they work for for Blue Apron or Co-House <laughs> as the livery truck drivers. <laughs> oh, or Amazon Express drivers, the poor the poor guys right. that come Saturday to your doors even at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Okay. This was the first one. Now we move on to some commodities. The next one is the uranium search. Oh. Did you know about the uranium search? No, but if I have a, a, a retro punk band, I'm going to call it uranium search. Mm -hmm. So it was like this in the seventies, because of the Cold War mm -hmm. and shit like that. Uranium hit a spot price of around one hundred ten dollars a pound. But then that sounds cheap. No, 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 it was high. One hundred ten dollars a pound. Your pure uranium is it refined? Uh, I don't know. Don't ore. Speak, don't it ask might be a, up uranium ore. I mean, if I got a pound, half a kilo of uranium for one hundred and ten bucks, you are laughing. Yeah, it's, it's pure. I don't think it's pure. I think it's ore. Yeah, ore. It must ore. be ore, unrefined. Okay. Okay, but then it dropped to $20 a pound in the 1990s. Mm -hmm. Because every major so because every major country had built their atomic um how do you say their 
Atommeiler der Kraftwerke. Power Stations. Power Stations. Ja. And the US and uh, Canada and every like Western civilization had like you know stockpiles of it mm -hmm. in like hidden storehouses Bunkers. deep in the mountains, yeah. like whatever happens, you know. Yeah. Okay. So nineteen mm -mm, only twenty percent. It stayed like this till two thousand five, but then what changed was the perception of future nu nuclear energy demand. From emerging economies, reactor lifetime extensions in the West, and low inventories of uranium, because they already, what they had from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, mm -hmm. was like uh, used. Yeah, spent. So, spent, yes. So that's probably yellow cake, which is, I mean, you can get uranium from, Australia is a big exporter, uh, Russia has a lot of uranium, but it's finite. I know that the plan was during the time when they, uranium was getting rare mm -hmm. that they were starting to look at uh, different reactor designs. Thorium was one of the possibilities and they'd, they'd have to mine the Rocky Mountains for that. There was a lot of thorium there. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was starting to get... They were worried about the uranium supply. So one of the things that can cause a bubble, I guess, is limited supply. Could be. There... Um was one guy, David Miller, and the New York Times was speaking with him. And he said he was very um, important in creating this search because he said um, the nuclear plants had until recently been living off a huge uranium stockpile from the 1980s. Mm -hmm. But this was slowly getting depleted. And um, so everyone, without even you know knowing why, had this angst or feeling uranium is what we need mm -hmm. and there are were no they didn't find um, there were no huge sources available yeah then they found one in Canada mm -hmm. they found the biggest untapped uranium mine ever yeah and then what happened before they even started um Getting the mining the uranium, mm -hmm. this Canadian mine was flooded. <laughs> so they were like, "Oh my God, we need uranium!" But now, the, now the only source, the mine is flooded. What do we do now? Mm. So every little fucking mine that had like I don't know five kilos of uranium somewhere mm. uh, started to say, "We are the solution for that." And so the the prices with this because everyone was like anticipating a big demand in uranium mm -hmm. the prices surged up to 300 dollars mm -hmm. from 20 to 300 mm -hmm. and major um, uh, they made major contracts for future development stuff like that in the end they had more to offer than actually that that actually demand was mm -hmm. they ended up with more supply than demand And everyone went bankrupt. Yeah. Now, yeah. You've, you've told two stories. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a fundamental difference between them both. And I think... <laughs> no, there is. I mean, apart from one is social media and one's uranium. Um, I think with bubbles, there are, there's a difference between having restricted supply mm -hmm. of something mm -hmm. and the price goes up because it becomes rare. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, d- does that count as a bubble? As opposed to something, we'll get to tulips later, but, but something that the supply the is bu- not necessarily restricted, or something like the social media thing where it's just hype. And there's yeah. the, the, and the, it's it's. Um, social, the social media. Can you see what I'm saying? That, yeah. that there were two sort of different things. But the social media thing is what it was too early for its time. But the social media, it was not enough. People had a computer yet. Yeah. To really tap in, and also nobody uh, invented Facebook yet. Mm. So the uh, the ways of communication of interacting with each other were not there yet. Yeah. Now you could not imagine a world without Facebook or Instagram or. I can. Not on either of them. <laughs> but you know people that are. Yeah. <laughs> and then people send you the cat videos via other channels that they found find on Facebook. Yeah. Well, so right. you are like a third party. You're a third party participant. In I'm that, a lurker. In, yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is the one thing. With the uranium, it's like, as you said, it's like the bubble was created by anticipating a higher demand that was actually later like, Uh, coming into existence from well, maybe from potential as we bias. go through this, maybe we can come up with a definition of a bubble because mm-hmm. I can see that there's some subtleties there that there are different different motivating or causal factors that that drive it. And for a price spike in a commodity due to lack of supply, I'm not sure that that's a lack of yeah lack of supply. I'm not sure that that constitutes a bubble. But this is not a lack of supply. This the bubble was in in anticipating a higher demand. Okay. Okay. You That's know? a subtle difference, yeah. Because the the yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair enough. No, yeah. this is this is really good. Okay. So we are staying on the ores and commodities and minerals. Do you know about the infamous Brix minerals fraud? Brex minerals fraud. No, that's not on my list of frauds. Okay, this has an increase of value of 13,305%. above what it started at. Yes. Brex minerals. Okay, the Brex minerals fraud goes down history as one of the worst corporate frauds ever. And it happened in Canada. Yay, Canada. Okay. Even worse than the pyramid schemes and Bernie Madoff, Bernie Madoff and okay, I don't this okay, okay, this I don't know because this is before Bernie. It says one of the worst. It says okay. not the worst. So. Okay, just trying yeah. to keep you honest. I mean, you make these bold claims like it's the biggest. No, it says one of the worst. All okay, right. All right. All okay, right. it goes like this. There was, there was a man called a David Walsh. David Walsh? Yes. No. Yes. Okay. It's not the David Walsh I know then. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> not the Tasmanian David no. Walsh. Disclaimer. <laughs> okay. He started the company called Brix in 1989. Um, he started... The to do something, um, but didn't work out. So in '93, he, he and his wife uh, declared bankruptcy. And the same time in March '93, uh, he said that he had purchased, purchased a site named Busang in the East Kalimantan province of Indonesia. So mm. he bought some you know, land. Kalimantan is my favorite Indonesian okay. province because they make the best curry. Yeah, exactly. Okay. 
Okay, so he employed a man named Michael de Guzman. Maybe you have heard of him. He was a geologist. Mm -hmm. Because Michael de Guzman uh, went to explore the site. And in March of 94, um, they reported to have found a spectacular, exclamation point, gold deposit. And they said it, uh, it holds 30 million ounces of gold. Well, in '96, the Indonesian Mines and Energy Department upgraded this finding to 40 million ounces of gold. So it looked like they hit a jackpot. Already, a Bray, Bray X share started to explode, um, breaking above $200 uh, dollars per share. And they then even split it with like complicated banking, trading shit that I will not go into now. Anyway, so the shares went up, went up like crazy. Then analysts from the US actually went there to check it out if everything goes as said. They, they came there and discovered that there was unfortunately the, a fire uh, had happened and destroyed many of the records. Oh, no. But they didn't say, They did, they did not come to the conclusion something is fishy or something is not right. They said, okay, yeah, shit happens. <laughs> instead... As, as all good insurance invest, yes. investigators come. Instead, yeah, okay, so happens. they had like 40 million. They said 40 million ounces. Over the next couple of years, the estimates of the gold to be found Uh, 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 risen even more. So they upgraded is upgraded to uh, uh, um, uh, 70 million ounces. And then in February of 97, they actually said, no, we found 200 million ounces of gold. Crazy. <laughs> okay, they, I don't, I, they, they, I can't but they tried to do due diligence on it. Yes. And they and every time someone came and checked it out... There was they, another they, fire. There was another fire <laughs> and they increased the amount of future gold to be found there. Right. Okay. So what happened? That all of the big banks, investors and, I don't know, traders uh, couldn't resist this like golden, sparkling, promising thing happening there. So they bought stock like crazy. <clears throat> Um, but then, of course, <laughs> nothing, nothing was actually produced, and uh, people then started getting suspicious about it. Um, the first thing that happened when uh, hard questions are being were asked, uh, the geologist Michael de Guzman, addressed was responsibly for exploring the site, mysteriously fell to his death from a helicopter. <laughs> you got to be careful in helicopters. Yes. His body, however, or his body in like... Uh, in like uh, Scare quotes. Yes. Um, the body they found was so extensively decomposed and the dental match, dental, uh, match could only be described as questionable in the best terms. So, Michael de Guzman, if you're listening to it, we are on to you. <laughs> so, he is very likely, you know, he escaped and is like having a drink now in the Bahamas. Um, the owner, um, David, David Walsh, 
then died on a major heart attack in the, in, on the Bahamas. And so nobody could be held responsible for it. The, the stock then uh, plunged down like into like, you know, not existing. And um, it was only worth pennies at the end. And everyone lost his money. I'm going to call no bubble on that. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a bubble. Okay. I think it's a scam. Mm-hmm. I don't think it. But it's a bubble in in the terms of like tr like worth of a share. Yeah. Or? Well, it it presumably did it force. What happened to the gold? I mean, the stock price went up, mm -hmm. but <clears throat> gold price generally, what happened to that? I can imagine you're flooding it with more supply than the price went down. They did not actually. On this side, no gold was actually. How do you say shirfed, um, mined? Mind, yeah. Because when then real scientists went there, they did not find any gold. They find <clears> like traces, but they think the traces came from a nearby river. Yeah, but, so so, but I don't think it's. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's a bubble though. Okay. I think it's a scam. You're right. It's a complete scam. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it, it's actually a bubble. And, and hopefully, by the end of this podcast, we'll have a. Maybe a better definition of what a bubble is. So but you, you are telling me that I just that I no, it's that great. I confuse our listeners. No, not at all. No, no, no. It's very valuable because it, it, we're looking at various causes at, at, at what forms bubbles, and part of having um, negative evidence actually helps define what what we're talking about. Okay, maybe my next example is a bubble. Okay, my next example uh, is about the magical. Yatukan amulets of Thailand. I've got four. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I mean, I do have amulets from Thailand, but I don't know if they're magical. If they are, then, yeah, they're not magical for me. Are you really? No, no. of course not. <laughs> I don't have anything from Thailand. I'm just asking. So. I went to Bangkok for a few days. I'm not going to tell you what I picked up there. Okay. Um... So this went this this the price of a, a Yatukan amulet uh, went up fifteen thousand percent. So from its original price to okay, it goes like this. Um, there was a police major general mm -hmm. Tha of Thailand. Mm -hmm. His name was. Pantarak Raja Desh or something like this mm -hmm. and he died in 2006 mm -hmm. and he was believed to be 103 uh, years old. Okay. He also was believed that he was a, mo a man that possessed mystical powers because he has had famously solved a tough murder case supposedly via the guidance of a god named Yatukan Ramasep. That's why the amulets were called Yatukan amulets. Mm. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, so he died, and because he was like a famous man, and also he had built a, 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 a religious center mm -hmm. in some town, town, and at his death procession, many people came, and there was like a big, you know fest or party or whatever and they started to selling for one dollar thirty they started to sell those amulets mm -hmm. with this god uh, Yatukan on it 
Do you know what they look like? Were they what they were made of? Or? They were like blingy Thailandish. With, with the blingy, image, blingy with, thing. With, the image of Yatokan. With the image of Yatokan on it. The thing is, mm. uh, they were supposedly, um, or they, they, they were blessed by uh, the monks of Thailand. Ah, okay. So the monks create, or whatever, whoever, a lot of people created them, and the monks then blessed them, mm-hmm. and they were said to be, um, to there were different amulets for different um, reasons. For enormous wealth or magical powers or uh, I don't know success overall, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> because Thailand at this time had just survived a, a, a big um, or a long la- long lasting military um, dic- dictatorship, and also the econ- economically it was not um, performing very well. Many people of Thailand were like looking for some you know kind of shortcut or something they could like pin their hopes on um, the thing is that um, even though the Thailandic, Th- Thailandic monks were blessing <laughs> this god on the amulet there is no god called uh, Yatukan either in the Buddhistic or whatever religious scripts actually happening oh. so it was a completely you know invented deity <laughs> aren't they all? Okay, no, we'll leave that one. You know what I mean, you know? <laughs> um, so, <laughs> the prices ranged from $10 up to $75,000 mm. per uh, amulet. And the people started to wearing them in um, multiple of them, mm-hmm. like in big chains around their necks. And the craziest one <laughs> um, was um, supposedly blessed by a monk by flying on a fighter jet. Okay. So people in Thailand and all over the world that were from, from, from Thailandish descent origin started to buying them and then even it swept over into the American and Canadian lifestyle. So even people that worked in like offices, in, in corporate offices started to having those Yatokan amulets that were like magical power things from the Far East. Yeah. Of course, people then started to uh, wake up and <laughs> discover this was all like crazy shit. Yeah. And they were never heard again. It was like <laughs> they dropped from the, from the, you know, face of the earth. Because I never heard of them either. But did you hear No, hear no, them? no, no, I've never heard of okay, them. Early, just... early 2000s. No, I can imagine people falling for that. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm wondering if it's a bubble. Anyhow, if you find like a like a blingy thing with like some kind of god on it, could be the super wealth or enormous rich blessed amulet. While a monk was flying in a fighter jet. Yeah, see, you know, you can you can buy a wristwatch for a hundred thousand euros. You know. Is there a hundred thousand euros of value in a watch? But people people do buy it. Um, but I guess the prices. I think yeah, okay. Another thing about a bu- bubble that we have to flag and put on our list is it is instability. In that you'll have a price for something and it stays gone. It goes up and down a little bit, and maybe we can talk about the dynamics of this later. 
Um, but what we're talking about is a huge spike where the value of something goes up through the roof. Yeah. And, um, and I think the other thing that happens with, you've got to put on the list of the definition of a bubble is it crashes. Yes. It and will, people lose money. And people lose money. And kill themselves. Yep. Or fake, or fake their own Or fake their own Looking death, at yes. you, Guzman. Yes. <laughs> okay. My last little, my last little um, uh, example, maybe this is a bubble. Okay. It's the Romanian property bubble. <gasps> Don't buy stuff in Romania. Buy it in Slovenia. <laughs> Don't tell people that. Okay. Don't buy anything anywhere. Ever. <laughs> so, Romania, and this is... And as an article from the from like two years ago, three years ago, I don't know if it's still like this. Maybe Moscow now is the um, the first the, the the first place on the list. But Romania at one point was said to be the country with the highest house price to income ratio in the world. Wow. In the world, Romania, because um, <clears throat> it was between two thousand two and two thousand seven. And um, people tried to buy uh, whatever they could in Romania, including old communist area apartments, and prices of this rose about rose over one thousand percent. And so the uh, apartment prices in Bucharest, this is the capital of Romania, um, were like higher than Paris or London at this time. If you see like the price to income ratio. And they think, um, so So uh, analysts say, <clears throat> this is because um, the growth of the Romanian banking system and the high salaries of people that working that, that worked abroad, that they could afford to buy this. <laughs> But the most fun fact, and I totally believe this is the actual reason, mm-hmm. money laundering. Ah. Because, and this may be racist but what can i say um there is a the story goes that uh, uh, romanian are very like um people that think on their feet let's put it that way mm-hmm. and work outside of the country and gather money and riches and have to make it somehow clean okay laundry and, money laundry. <laughs> and so they just put shit lots of money into uh, you know they, they they park their money there and bought property in Bucharest and you have been in Bucharest yes huh? yeah yeah, yeah. And it's not pretty it's not pretty it's something but, but I'll tell you what the, the Ceausescu's palace there is amazing it's the second biggest building in the world it's the second biggest building in the fucking world the first one is the pentagon this we're talking about <laughs> yeah surface area, uh, floor yeah. space yep it's second to the the pentagon um it's amazing it's really if you're ever in bucharest go have a look it is really impressive but when you were talking about the the Uh, apartment price and property they they cleared out they demolished two suburbs to build this building Mm -hmm. and so that would have restricted supply a bit so but yeah probably not not a thousand percent yeah this was before that yeah that was the the, the palace was built in the 80s or something yeah 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 Yeah, the Romania at this time also was a very poor country it was one of the maybe even the poorest country of Europe I don't know about Albania, but as a Romania, it's like Lily. 
Moldova is pretty poor. Yeah. Um, now, uh, like last year and this year, Romania has the biggest growth mm -hmm. of all of the Eastern European countries. The biggest, like in um, wirtschaftliche yeah, yeah, economic growth. Economic growth. Because there's a lot of IT happening yeah. and young people yeah, making stuff yeah, happen. Cluj so. is a big center for yes. IT there. Yes. We, so if you call a call center in, uh, if you're in Europe and call a call center, there's a, you will not uh, uh, get an Indian person to answer you, but probably someone. In Transylvania. In Transylvania. Yep. Yes. Cool. Cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think. This yeah, one, I, my little, little, my first I think example. I, I think that that is a bubble. I think okay. I was just making some notes here while you were talking and mm -hmm. just so that when we try to come down to a definition of a bubble at the end, um, I think that one I, okay. could be a bubble. Yep. Let's take a little break. Okay. Fill out, fill, fill up our white wine shoulders. We will be back shortly. So now we come, we come to the mothership of all bubbles. The mothership of bubbles. The tulip craze or <sighs> tulip mania. Tulipomania. Okay. So to give you an overview of what, I, what I'm talking about. It's um, Dutch in the Golden Ages. Um, Amsterdam rich traders. They fell in love with... Um, Tulips that were um, introduced by uh, Turkey to Holland. It was in the 1630-ish years. Yeah. Um, and they started to um, get noticed this, this flower and they fall in love with this flower um, because it looked like no other plant, no other flower they had ever seen. The prices for uh, the bulbs, 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 bulbs um, skyrocketed like crazy. They were traded before, so they they also like um, um, developed something called future trade. That was the first time that was um, practiced. Mm. That um, I did not know that. That's, yes, yeah, futures are an yes. enormous thing. Yes, so someone like bought like the future of this bulb in like seven months. Um, that was the first time, and then in the end it collapsed. Okay, what happened? So the, it, How long the, did, did the, it last for? The, the craze? Two years. Two years. <laughs> and the prices were so high, like a house in Amsterdam, or even higher than that. It was for a, a bulb? A one, 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 one bulb, bulb. One bulb of a, of, a, of a tulip. So how much was the net uh, at, at the peak? I mean, in percentage terms, how much did, did they say, how high did it go? They say 5,900%, wow. whatever that means. Okay, let's go more into detail. So what, historically, it was like this. In 1593, the Ottoman, Ottoman emperor sent his uh, botschafter, his em em ambassador, ambassador And uh, they brought gifts, and uh, one of the gifts were like bulbs of tulips. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and they put it in their gardens, or in their agricultural special gardens, mm -hmm. and then some scientists 
um, started to grow them, was already nice. And over the years, they saw, oh my God, this is an amazingly colorful flower that it is nothing like we have seen before. It's amazing, it's amazing if it comes from Turkey that it, it would grow in Holland. Because, this is the second point, yeah. this flower actually can stand the harsh conditions and the cold of the lower countries. Ah. This was one of the major selling points. Ah. Um, because normally flowers in Holland at this time, I assume, were like normal like garden or like you know field flowers, like your normal thing. But tulips looked like a thing from another, from like alien things. Um, on top of that, there are tulips. There's a one one particular um, eigenschaft. What do you say in English? Characteristic. Characteristic. So tulips can have a virus called, called mosaic virus. Okay. And this this virus creates this amazing color spectrum and this like you know this like if the if the flower petal is um has like two or three three colors on it like mm -hmm. with streaks mm -hmm. do you know those like crazy looking yeah, tulips yeah. yeah when when they open up you can see there's a whole spectrum of colors yes there. and especially so the, the craze was not necessarily about a red or a yellow or a i don't know purple, purple tulip it was about those Tulips that had those viruses. Ah, okay. That had like those streaks of color, like a like a like a red like a red petal with like um, white streaks on it that, yeah. that you see on those still and life so they paintings never saw that of before. this time. They, I mean, they'd never seen a tulip, but then on top of it, it looked like a, you know yeah. something that could not be real. So if you um, go into an art art museum or just go online and look at the still lives of this time, like Flander, Flandern or Hollandische Meister, you see a lot of them have like those amazingly looking tulips on it that you think could not did like photoshopped or something. Yeah. On top of that, um, it was the golden age of the Dutch. Mm -hmm. they, um, they had the Dutch East Indies. They made major profits of it. So one ship could give you 400% of um, return of investment when it sailed back mm. successfully with spices and wow. silk, you know, from, from Indonesia or whatnot. Um, also, they had like um, they were no longer the Spanish Netherlands; they mm. were their own nation. Yep. So, for the first time, they really could flourish. Yep. Um, one second. Just lighting my cigarette. Okay. So the tulips were introduced. Um, Botanists started to grow them in uh, Gewächshäusern. What's called Gewächshaus in English? Uh, greenhouses. Greenhouses. And then the uh, broader public took notice of them. And they fell in love with those like infected tulips that had like those the, crazy the, colors. With the virus. And they, the demand increased like crazy. So where did Why the, is that? Where did the demand come from? Because it takes seven years mm -hmm. for a, a seed a bulb a bulb no for a seed a to seed. become a bulb oh okay it takes I a know long nothing, long time nothing about tulip biology it, 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 it takes a long time till it flowers it takes seven years until it flowers mm -hmm. and if it's a virus infected bulb mm -hmm. this is those are the ones you wanted it takes even longer because what's the virus called again 
Mosaic Virus. Mosaic. 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 Like the new H HBO show with Sharon Stone. I haven't seen that. No, it's okay. Is it about viruses? No, it's... I know, I only... No, whatever. <laughs> it's a children books... Children books author illustrator thing with Sharon Stone and younger man and the scam with about her land and whatever. Okay. It had nothing to do with tulips whatsoever. Right. <clears throat> so it goes like this. So when the, when the tulip bulb flowers, the bulb dies. Mm -hmm. uh, in its in its stead, there is like a ghost, a clone bulb develops. Wow. And this you then have to cultivate very complicated, mm -hmm. in a very complicated way to get another flower happening. So it was a... Um, the original bulb dies, but it yes. spawns a clone. Yes. Genetically the same. Yes, genetically the same. So it takes seven years to like make this. Oh, wow. But you need to have the right seed materials. So okay, can there, I, can, I can see there's, there's value there. Yeah, I can there's see value that, there. Yeah. yeah, because anything mm -hmm. that takes time or mm -hmm. effort or materials is value. Yeah. Yeah, so tulips were a huge luxury item um, because all of the new, newly rich people from the trade, from the that, that had trade profits, you know, wanted to have them as like a go-to item, like to show show off. So you invite your friends over and you got yes. tulips there. Yes, so. you got tulips in your garden or something. Yeah. Um, and this and this over two years created such a bubble for for those tulip bulbs that were traded a bulb bubble a bulb bubble because it could be that one day a tulip bulb like changed hand 70 times so someone bought it for let's say 200 gulden in the end of the day it was worth like 1000 gulden or something mm -hmm. like that and this was this this future market thinky what he thinks i was talking about yes. you know yeah. um How it came to an end, um, <laughs> the, the, the prices were really like crazy high. So, um, you buy a bulb for a house? Yes. Yeah, so, no, it was like um, from a book from Charles McKay. He wrote a famous book in the 1840s about this. Most of his, or most of his stories or theories now got debunked, but I will still read you one sentence of it. Um, it was said that a single tulip root was sold for uh, two lasts of wheat, whatever a last is. I don't know how big a last Four is. lasts of rye, four fat oxen, eight fat swine, 12 fat sheep, two hogs head of wine, four turns of tunes of beer, two tons of butter, 1,000 pounds of cheeps. And a partridge in a pear tree. A complete bed, a suit of clothes, and a silver drinking cup. All of those. For one... Tulip bulb. Well, I mean, that just is everything in your house, yes. especially the eight fat swine. Yes. And four ladies dancing. <laughs> also, they gave the, the, the bulbs like crazy names like Admiral, uh, Admiral van der Eyck and uh, General of something something. And when they ran out of it, they just called it Admiral of Admirals or General of Generals. <laughs> Lord of Lords. Lord of Lords. Emperors of Emperors. Exactly. So, um, it came to an end because there was one big auction mm -hmm. when they were selling the most pr 
priciest bulbs off. But at the same time, a plague was hitting the, the, plague. the, the plague was hitting the market town where this auction took place, and someone couldn't buy because it was probably uh, a sell uh, uh, pay. Sorry, pay. Yeah. Because it was probably dead yeah. or yeah. something. It's difficult to pay when you're dead. And then it was like a domino effect. So they 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 they, they, suddenly, they they suddenly awakened out of this like crazy haze to like realize it's like a it's a plant it's a plant <laughs> bulb that someone is has to pay fifty seven thousand gold ducats for it what yeah. are we what what are we doing here and without even without a big fight without anything it just collapsed in like a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. And they even made like laws and then had like the jurisdiction that you could not um, sue for, sue people that said they are going to buy your bulbs in like six months or something. It was like completely. Well, that's a, I mean, that'd be a good moment to short the mm -hmm. market. You just say bet against it. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, they, they didn't have something like this back then. Um, and this craze. Uh, um, affected all the whole range of society as a from very very rich people but also uh, footmen seamen chimneys sweeps and old clothes women also all of them dabbled in the trade of tulip bulbs yeah it's, it's playing the market yes yeah there um, also is one a funny story that um There was one sailor that mistook uh, a tulip bulb uh, for an onion and he ate it. And the merchant uh, uh, sued him and the sailor was jailed for eating the bulb. But it, the, the tulip bulb does not taste very delicious. I so have never good. eaten a tulip bulb. No, you don't. Don't do it. It also has a little bit of poison. Mm. has a little bit of poison in it, so Maybe don't do it. Maybe you do it. a sous-feed. No. Maybe with like ahorn syrup or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, coated in sugar. Anyway, so, um, but still to this day, mm -hmm. in Europe, Holland is known as the biggest producer of tulips. So when you think of Holland, you think uh, of sweeping fields of green, red, blue, orange tulips. If, and It's yeah. true. And, and, and I'd always, and associate, always associated, and windmills, always yeah, associated, windmills, yes. always associated, um, Holland with tulips because of this. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when I went to Istanbul and I was got the train in coming in and there was just along the, the coming into the station, there's just all this whole area and it's just full of tulips. And I think, wow, when did they get tulips? Yeah. But it I, comes I from know, there. I didn't I know didn't that. I didn't know that. Yeah. In Europe, it's not known that tulips are like Holland. Yeah. Nobody knows that they are from Turkey. Turkey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I was actually sh shocked that, oh, God, look yeah. at all these tulips. It's beautiful. But, yeah. wow, they've really gone to a lot of effort to import the tulips. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, by the way, um, speaking of flowers, this and not the same thing, but a little bit the same thing happened with the when they introduced uh, Hyacinths. 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 Uh, to the European market, it was the beginning of the 19th century. The uh, hyacinths replaced the tulip as the fashionable flower of the decade. Also, uh, prices soared 
people bought them like crazy, but it was not like this social cultural, um, you know, movement yeah. as with tulips, uh, also with orchids. There's a thing in, especially or where could it be uh, other than England? It's called orchid delirium. It was in the Victorian era when the flower madness of collecting and discovering orchids reached extraordinarily high levels because a lot of botanists and explorers went to the jungles and, you know, unexplored mm -hmm. places of the world and they found those amazing flowers the orchids and brought them back and they look so different so they look they look like really like from another planet you know um, and they started <clears throat> to try to cultivate them in England they failed miserably miserably because they didn't know anything about it it's also said that a lot of uh, tulip uh, sorry uh, orchid varieties died out because of extensive hunting through those um, um, explorers um, over the years, they gotten gotten better to like um, make them work in English country homes. So now it's like a you know it's a distinct hobby or profession to cultivate orchids and um, yeah. But they were also like crazy for orchids. Did you um, see the movie adaptation? Mm, yeah. Charlie Kaufman movie. It's about orchids. It's about a a. a uh, New Yorker, uh, a New Yorker story where this woman is doing a story about a, a specific orchid down in Florida and mm -hmm. really good movie, amazingly good movie. It's got Meryl Streep, Nicolas Cage. It's, um, it's uh, the author's name, Susan. <sighs> People will be yelling at the um, Orlean. Uh -huh. Susan Orlean. Uh -huh. Amazing, amazing okay. movie. What's that called? Adapt Adaptation. Adaptation, okay. Today, there is still some le some uh, level of orchid madness left. Uh, and this resulted in the theft of the one of the most uh, exceptional orchid, as it's known. Um, it's called the ghost orchid. Mm, I think that might have been the one in the movie. Ah, could be. Yeah, so the ghost orchid is one of the highly, most yeah. highly sought after orchids mm -hmm. right now. Wow. Okay, this was my little, you know, Beitrag <laughs> to bubble. So jetzt now tell me what I got wrong and tell oh, no, me from a no, male patriarchal <laughs> standpoint. Oh God, you're making gender politics now. Yes. It was because of the orchids. Yes. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm listening. No. Okay. No. Go no, I, I don't. I don't have any uh, stories about. Um... No, you can sum it up. Well. Okay. So. The principal thing about most economics is value. Like, what is value? So there's two. We've already said there's two ways you can value something: that what it costs to make with time and materials and whatever, or it's valued at what someone will pay for it. So when you buy something in trading, I think that the, the two corresponding things are what the intrinsic worth is for you. For example, if you own a chain of coffee shops and you buy a ton of coffee beans, you're going to use it for the intrinsic worth that, mm -hmm. that is coffee. Um, if 
the other reason you might buy it is because of speculation, because you buy it because if I sit on it for three months and I can sell it again and not use it um, and I make money, then that's speculation. So that's the what someone will pay for it side of things. So obviously this whole bubble thing isn't about intrinsic worth. It's about speculation because you buy this stuff and, and, and you want to sell it in the future. And it gets in. Tell me what the greater fool theory is. Um, the greater fool theory is that you buy something um, under the assumption that you, that you will find someone who will pay more for it in the future. Okay. So. A greater fool than you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's the, the underlying principle. So what you need then for this to persist is enough fools mm -hmm. to keep buying and selling and buying and selling. And this runs for a while, but there isn't an infinite number of fools in the world. No. Despite the way the world looks at the moment. <laughs> um, so that's one of the theories about how this happens that, and what, what that's predicated on is that you believe not just you but the, the whole social group the whole everyone involved in this believes the price will go up so it's an inductive reasoning thing so there's deductive reasoning inductive reasoning deductive reasoning you work something out to because of of, of logical premises and whatever inductive says it happened yesterday it'll happen tomorrow the price went up today the price will go up tomorrow so Tied in with that is just blind optimism. Mm -hmm. And I think people are just intrinsically optimistic. What about Bitcoins? Same thing. It's Bitcoin is another bubble. I'm, I'm surprised that you didn't bring it up as an example because that's It's happening. so complicated for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming in. I mean, I mean, as far as I can tell, there's no wide, widely accepted theory about how bubbles happen. Um, in economics, traditionally, there's this idea of price equ equilibrium where you have the supply and demand are matched at a particular value. Everyone agrees on it. And this is how economics has worked up until the last 50 years. There's been a lot of, a lot of development. I think economics has been uh, like thermodynamics was in the, in the 18th century in the 17th, 19th century, up up to a certain point. And now there's a lot more mathematics involved and getting away from this equ equilibrium thing. Um, so... Can I say something? Yeah. I think a bubble is... <clears throat> you have a stable system and then one variant changes uh -huh. that you cannot know before. Because if you could know, you could create a bubble. You cannot create a bubble. A bubble happens because like there's 500 a, million there's been a change. people or variants, like suddenly one little thing turns. It's like, for instance, one interesting stupid bubble I, I found with my research, research was beanie, beanie Babies. So, you know, Beanie yeah, yeah, Babies? Yeah, I know Beanie Babies. 
was 90 something. So for some reason, there was a, a little company creating those like uh, uh, Stofftiere, those like teddy bears filled not with normal stuffing, but with beans. And someone decided or a group of people decided to, to value them more because they were rare or whatnot. Collectors items. They are collectors items and so their their um worth like skyrocketed skyrocketed like crazy. It's the same with all of those collectors shit like one Barbie from like blah 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 in an unopened box or this one um a comic magazine blah blah blah. It's, it's the same thing. It's like a you 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 cannot create it. If you try to force it it will not happen. Yeah. It needs to you know, something in the human consciousness shifts and then this thing happens and mm. if you're the company producing that you are very lucky <laughs> yeah, so I, I think you're right i mean it's something changes something shifts and i think the way you should look at bubbles i mean you know that i come from a a complex dynamic systems background <laughs> so i think you should look at this as a dynamic system so in control theory um If you have a stable system, so if you have a dynamic system that's running, two things can, three things can happen. One is it just dies out. Mm -hmm. It just goes, it runs yeah. over time. And this is where the dynamic comes in. You have to have a time element. So if it, it dies out over time. Second thing, it can explode and just go through the roof and it dies down. And the third thing is it, it can actually persist and stay stable over time. Now, what you have in a dynamic system is, in a really oversimplified way, you have a feedback process, mm -hmm. which amplifies, and a damping process that, that pulls back and, and, and brings it down. If you have too much damping, you get the first case where it just, just dies and peters out. People lose their jobs. Exactly. Just, it's over-controlled. It's over-damped. Feedback processes amplify, and this is where you get the runaway systems. You get too much amplification. The market heats up. Yep, just runs out of control, mm -hmm. runs away in that the feedback. It's like if you listen feedback in a speaker. It just mm -hmm. you, you take the input, the output, and put it back into the input, and it mm -hmm. just adds up, 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 blong, blows up. And in a stable system, which is the one that, that people have been looking at with equilibrium theory, um, you have a balance between a damping process. And it's not, it's not that simple. It's, you've got multiple feedback systems, and this is why it's complex. And this is why it's really, really difficult to understand and come up with a theory. And there's, there's, no, there's no clear theory on why bubbles happen at the moment. And I also think that you can, most of the times, you can also only see them when they happened. Yeah. You know, in, in, in retrospect. Re retrospect, yeah. yeah. After, afterwards. I mean, with, the, the, with the dot-com bubble right now, we are in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. Or maybe already on the declining... Or maybe we are on the declining part, but it will maybe surge up again. We don't know. Yeah. Let's, this is very spannend. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, so if you have uh, your skin in the game of any of those things, you just need to meditate. <laughs> And decide when to sell your stock. Yeah. <laughs> Or Don't be too greedy. Don't be too greedy because in the end you will lose all of your money. <laughs> Or only buy like um, um, uh, like hand manufactured items that have a lot of 
value in it because they are made by or hand with good you, materials and stuff like that. Or you only buy stuff for its intrinsic value rather mm -hmm. than speculate. So don't yeah. speculate. Don't. So, I mean, if you have a, a stable system and it's chugging along with a relatively stable equilibrium price, um, you might have the thing called mean reversion, which is where stuff may deviate, may the price may go up, but it'll come back down to this equilibrium price. And this is more of a dynamics view of things about how prices move around and how you get volatility, how volatility affects the market. However, if you have something that upsets this balance, like you have... Uh, If someone lowers the interest rate and removes the damping from the system, um, uh -huh. or you have another theory is you have excessive liquidity in that there's more money sloshing around looking for a home than um, so a bubble is where the the um, the feedback process, the amplification process, is augmented and get runs out of control or the damping is removed okay that's my technical point of view however there's all this is required is is predicated on everyone agreeing on the value or something and in, in a speculative sense that that it will go up and so the social importance of something especially a wide, widely available commodity something that's everywhere um Is, is leads to bubbles. This is why um, a couple of those that seemed just like scams that weren't widely available or persistent commodities. However, I mean, you get stuff like the tulip where, I don't know, that's a new product coming on the market. Often, it looks nice. Yeah, and a lot of bubbles happen when a new thing comes on, like the dot-com bubble, mm -hmm. which was new. I guess it was because the, the stabilizing processes of damping and feedback weren't, yeah, then, weren't in place yeah and then also like it gets more broadly distributed and like the, the you know you can actually see the demand supply and demand mm. leveling out yeah exactly you, know? you, you need the balance and over, yeah. and that only happens over time so when something new comes on these balance systems of of damping and feedback aren't mm -hmm set up and one of two things happens either there's too much damping you get a new product on and everyone goes no we don't need that or we're mm -hmm. going to tax it put taxes on it or something so or only if you wild, wild optimism takes off and the feedback side runs and you so only a few people get rich most of most of the people lose their money mm -hmm. and if you don't if you're not a high risk person uh, don't do it also If you want to speculate, do it only with money that you don't need. Or someone else's money. Or someone else's money. And yep. then fake your dad with like falling out of a helicopter. And, have and make like sure you have a, a body a, with dental records that, that are, are similar. Sketchy. Sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. On so, hand in your garage, in your freezer. So get a hobo, get a helicopter. <laughs> yes. Run. Have a, have a second passport ready. Yeah. And go to the Bahamas. <laughs> Bahamas. Or to Baba Tutsang in Thailand. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Or Romania. Live in Bucharest in Ceausescu's palace. Ooh, you can. I've been in the, the, the 
there's cellars there and you can hide in there forever. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So go there. I'll come and see you. Mm, yeah. Still not, you know. Okay. Let's see. Okay. Um, did you explain who Roy something something was? Yeah, the lightning, remember? I'm lightning. Sorry. Yes. Okay. You are right. Um, so next time we will talk more about the East India Company and mm -hmm. uh, what's the other company called? West India Company? No, there's not West India. There's a Dutch East Indies. Uh, the Dutch. I will talk about the Dutch East Indies. I'll talk about the talk English. The English. Yes. And then we get closer to explaining where our name comes from. The worshipful company of... Oddity mongers. Ooh. Great. Okay. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, look at your uh, stock portfolio and... Have Sell! <laughs> and have a nice meal. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.